someone to be around you. Someone to sit down and pour you short But sometimes saying goodbye to familiar folks is the only way. Sometimes that's when you finally find your space. Welcome to the Japan Distilled Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lyman, recording from Fukuoka, Japan. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, but before we get started, a little housekeeping. As you may have noticed, our Japan Distilled Show Tuesday livestream, which was a weekly occurrence during the pandemic, has become a sometimes when we want to occurrence uh, now that things have opened back up. Given the realities of Christopher's travel schedule as a Shochu and Awamori ambassador and uh, his sales work for Honkaku Spirits, we simply can't find a realistic weekly schedule to work for our live stream. So going forward, it's going to be more of an opportunistic live recording when we feel inspired. Uh, just putting that out there and setting expectations for those of you who have been loyal viewers over the past 153 episodes on YouTube or Facebook. Of course, if you miss us or you're looking for a specific piece of information, you can always go back and watch the archives. Anyway, enough housekeeping. Let's get on with the show. Today, I'm joined by Jason Rogers of Yabai Chuhai, joining me from sunny Santa Monica, California. It is a pleasure to have him on the show. We've He's been on a live stream a couple of times, uh, but... Very happy to have him here to talk all things Chuhai and Yabai. Jason, welcome to the show. Hello, Dr. Lyman. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you. Good to yeah. see you. You and I have known each other, I guess, for a few years now. Huh. And how did you reach out to me originally? I don't remember. It must have been an email. I mean, when I was Googling, you know, what is Chochu? Dr. Stephen Lyman, Dr. Stephen Lyman, Dr. Stephen, like the whole <laughs> first two pages, like, and so I was like, well, this guy seems to, <laughs> and somehow you, you, you took my call. Somehow we got on the phone yep. and, uh, I distinctly remember it. I was, I was out back behind my house and you were like, you don't know what you're doing. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing, man. Like, <laughs> and I was super green, you know, I was just trying to find a supplier. I was like, maybe you can help me find it. And, uh, you, you were super kind and I all appreciate that forever. So. Yeah, no, 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 my my pleasure. And I, I mean, anytime anybody reached out to me and they were interested in shochu back in the day, I, I had to, I had to be sure. kind because yeah, it's so nobody would listen to me too. Otherwise. You know what I mean? Like exactly, it's getting less obscure now, though. So sure, sure. Well, hopefully we can change that collectively. Yeah, doing God's work. That's right. But you didn't start obviously as a as a brand developer, brand ambassador for beverage alcohol. You actually came at this from a completely different direction. And you wanted to be an architect when you were a kid, but you got distracted. What distracted you? Uh, skateboarding. Yeah, maybe sixth grade going into seventh grade. My best friend got a skateboard and had like a skull on. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. And so I went from like breakdancer in sixth grade to skateboarder in seventh <laughs> grade. You know what I mean? And we were kind of like, you know, it was fun. It was, in, we were sort of outcast. It was just, once you find skateboarding, if you're going to be a skateboarder, like it just completely takes over. So I kind of just completely honed in on that. You know, I still did good in school and stuff like that. And I went to a school that did computer assisted drafting and that. So I sort of followed that path. But then by the time I was in 10th grade, I was, I was getting paid for skateboarding. Mm -hmm. So it, it was really young at the time they developed talents. It's not so much that way now, it kind of is, but like, Careers are a lot longer, whereas back then they were quick. Okay. Um, so it was like I was a professional by the time I was 16, making more than most of my teachers, 
renting my own apartment at the beach. And, you know, it was a pretty weird way to grow up. I bet it was. Yeah, that was like my obsession. And even people at my school didn't know. They'd be like, why is your name on that on that skateboard? <laughs> I'd be like, oh, you could go to the beach and like airbrush them and stuff. And they're like, that doesn't look like airbrush. <laughs> I'm like, ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> I just wanted to go to school and like get my stuff done and get the hell out of there. Like I didn't want to talk to people too much. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to go skate. Like as soon as I could get out of class, I, you know, yeah. we'd go film and, and, and just, we had our own world. And so I didn't really worry too much about what people at school thought or knew about, you know. That must have been such an interesting experience. And then you got to travel a lot too, right? You know, every year you do like a month in Europe and like skateboarding fashion has always been big in Japan. Mm -hmm. So we would always go out there to do, you know, little demonstrations and visit with our distributors and stuff like that. And it was super fun because, you know, I'm half Japanese. Right. And I'm guessing from your your surname being Rogers, that it would have been your mother who's who's Japanese. Is that right? Yes. The middle name is Tatsuya. So there you go. I was almost Taro Tatsuya Rogers, which would have been kind of crazy, but sounds like a pretty good skater name, actually. Taro Rogers. Yeah. You would think. Or TT Rogers. Back then though, I, I it would have been tough, I think. You know what I mean? Like Jason Rogers sounds very like I can relate to this guy, you know what I mean? Like Sure. It, it's funny because people talk about like Oz's name screwed up, like he's not gonna that's going to hurt him. You know what I mean? Whereas like, like when I first started skating, like the famous pros were like Tony Hawk yep. and like Christian Hosoy. And I was like, these aren't real people like Lance Mountain. That's not a real person, you know? <laughs> and then like you, you see him, you're like, oh my God, Tony Hawk is a real person. That's insane. You know? Interesting times for sure. And then, so you said you turned pro when you were 16 and then how long did you skate professionally? Till I was like, 22 heavily like 23 maybe okay back then it was like when you turn 20 21 it was like hit the bricks old man like what are you even doing you know it was a really weird time huh. whereas now it's like you know professional skateboarders like are turning pro at 25 really and like having a career well into their late 30s so it's completely different and that was just the time that i was in mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so after that I, you know, I moved up to LA. My sister was doing a magazine called Hapa, which was printed in Japanese and printed in English. And it was like a free magazine that was like skateboarding, surfing and snowboarding and sort of like tourism a little bit to, you know, so, so people visiting from Japan would like have a bit of understanding and stuff like that. And then at the same time we were doing that, I was like the skateboard editor because I did some writing in high school and stuff like that. Sure. And then at the time, you know, I got a job at this skate shop that was opening and it was called Hot Rod. So I'd work at this shop, Hot Rod, and then I would, you know, I'd, it was it was a lot, you know, at a young age, which felt like an old age. I was like a retiree already, right? Like 22 <laughs> or something like that. Um, and writing and, and being the skate editor and then helping to run the skate shop, which uh, Jonah Hill's first movie was based on. It was called Mid 90s. Oh, no kidding. He was our first dollar, you know, this little chubby kid, Jonah. Yeah. And that was crazy. You know, skate shops are insane. I don't, I don't know. Watch the movie. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. All right. We'll look for it. Yeah. And then that was sort of my life for a while. And then maybe a year after that, I was leaving the shop and I was moving back down to San Diego. I was going to go to Square Enix's school, which is a video game company, Japanese video game company. 
that had a couple schools where you could learn to make video games. I was like, okay, what else do I like? Like, I want, I would like to design video games. And so I came down there to do that. And then, you know, as a part-time job, I worked at my friend's shoe company at the time, but they were doing a uh, video box set about the company that I rode for under him. Okay. Um, it was like a really famous company called 8th Street. And it was sort of like, sort of the company. Skateboarding kind of goes through stages where it's like, this is hot, this is hot. And at, at the time, when I was a kid, when I turned pro, we were like, you know, the hot for a couple of years, you know? And so he was doing like this whole box set of videos of the time. And he brought me on to, to, to edit that stuff. And so I was kind of collating footage and helping to edit. And then he was like, why don't you just take over the skateboard brand? And I was like, okay, well, no one on the team is staying and we're changing the name. And <laughs> I assumed he would be like, dude, no, F you, you know, but he was like, okay, yeah, do whatever you want. Like, do whatever I want. Like, okay. No kidding. And so we started our, our board brand there. And eventually we started a wheel brand called Autobahn and the wheel brand did really well, but it was just super fun time. Sure. Um, doing both the board brand and and the wheel brand and managing maybe like 200 skaters. So there's a lot of guys that I sort of farmed out that are now like major pros within skateboarding. So it's, it's pretty cool to see. So. Yeah, that is, that's, you've, you've got a legacy. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. I don't know about me. But. Sure. No, but you were, you were a little bit the puppet master for a while. That's, that's interesting. I'd, I hadn't heard that part of your, your journey before. But super fun. Like we always had a good time. I'm super close with all those dudes to this day, you know, most of them. Yeah, so. I bet. Uh, yeah. That's that. So you had the whole, the whole journey then, but we, but this isn't the Japan skateboarding podcast. This is the Japan Distilled yeah. podcast. Yes. So we're actually here to talk about uh, the second part of your journey. I'm not even going to say the second half because you may do other amazing things beyond what you're doing now. But uh, so what was the inspiration for your, let's start with calling it a Chuhai brand because it wasn't originally called Yabai. Right. Well, so again, part of, skateboarding is you travel a lot and you end up drinking with the locals a lot like it's you're young and the laws are more lax in other countries and you're like 19 and just slamming chew highs <laughs> and shinjuku right like what is this alco soda you know you don't even know um because at the time we didn't have anything like that in america you know sure and so you know years later you know i'm an old timer and i i still skateboard and i'm, I'm skating with my buddy um, who lived in Japan for 15 years. Um, you know, big, big white guy, uh, stock trader, trades the Nikkei. And so we're skating our, our little curb because we're old men and we skate a little curb. <laughs> um, have a good old session that day. I remember the day because I just got some blue uh, Adidas Sambas I was really stoked on. And I relearned a trick. And so we'd always skate this curb and then go down to Hinano's, this bar in Venice, uh, which was Jim Morrison's favorite bar back in the day it's like hamburgers and pitchers of beer basically like super basic um and we get our pitcher of beer and we sort of you know talk about machinations of the stock market because i was sort of getting in the stock market and trading and stuff like that and just thinking about things like that and i was like you know what like all those calories we just burned off skating we're gonna put them right back on with this pitcher of beer you know and this was late 2017 which was the height of the mm -hmm. craft beer movement I, I don't want to drink that many calories in the first place and so we started talking about like 
club cocktails and Zima. And we're just qu- kind of chatting about stuff. And we're like, hey, we should go get some Chuhai. And we're like, what is even in that? We kind of didn't know really. And, you know, I, he was like, I think it's like shochu and like juice or something. And we're like, okay, well, let's go get some. And so we went to like four different Japanese markets and no one had it. And we're like, what the hell is going on? Because in Japan, it's ubiquitous, right? Like, it's it's half the box, cold box. Yep. How is there no chuhai, you know? Um, and then so I called my buddy, who was our, our old distributor in Japan. I was like, say, man, can you send me some chuhai? And uh, he's like, yeah, it's $250 a case to, just to ship. And I'm like, what the hell? And at the time, uh, flights were like $400. Right. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fly to Japan and drink Chuhai for a week. <laughs> so that's what I did. And I, I just went and bought a bunch of Chuhai. I bought some at a vending machine in the hotel sure. first. And I was like, crazy. It's like right here. How could I, you know, so I just bought it and I was like, okay, cracked it open. I'm like, this is going to be the next, you know, h- however many years of my life or it's going to taste horrible. And it was super good. And I was like, oh my God, better than I remember, you know? Yep. And so, you know, I came back with like, dude, we're going to do this. Like, and what's funny is I was on the jetway walking off the plane and I turned my phone back on and it was a, a message from my friend, the, the buddy who I was sitting with having the beers. And it's an article from like Forbes or something like Coca-Cola launches its first alcoholic product, Japanese Chuhai. And I'm on the, you know, walkway like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> And but then I read the article. I was like, just in, uh, you know, Kyushu and yep. and stuff like that. That we'll never come to America. And I'm like, okay, uh, we're still going to do it. And so that started the whole process of the thing. And it was, you know, brutal. I mean, sure, just to find shochu in the first place took a year. You know, so right, right, right. Very complex thing to try to do, but I always felt like we have to do it properly. Even if some Japanese companies don't even do it properly, you know what I mean? Right. Like just in the way that my mom is and Japanese culture is. And, you know, we got to do this respectfully. So mm-hmm. that's what we set out to do. That's something I appreciate about the entire uh, process that you went through to, to create these brands. You're really trying to be as natural as possible and as pure as possible, which is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, just using shochu in general, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of highs don't even use shochu anymore for tax reasons, you know? And I was like, look, no way we're doing this with vodka. Then it's not even a Chuhai. Like, I had a guy looking for stuff in Japan for me, and he was like, Look, we have a guy that might work. Can you be here in two days? <laughs> and I was like, Yes. And so I booked a flight, but I had to like sit in Hong Kong on the way back for 16 hours. And it was during the riots. Oh, wow. So anyway, I came over, met with him, this older guy, um, super nice. We bonded over cats. One of his bottles had a cat on it. And I had this translator who was a skateboarder. Like, I just put on my Facebook, like, is anyone a translator in Nagoya, Japan? And, like, someone was. <laughs> and so I met Emma's this skater. skater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, they, and, and he took us to this really nice omakase. Like, you know, it was insane. They see, like, one group a day. Wow. And the owner took us there, the owner of the distillery. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also had the translator sit with us and eat. And he's like, oh, man, this is so great. I can't believe I'm, I'm also able to eat. And it was really amazing. And we bonded over that. And he's like, okay, I'll give you exclusive deal with me. Oh, wow. And But then had the deal for Shochu. And then it was kind of on, you know? So you found your spirit. And then where did you source your juices and your flavorings and that kind of thing? I found this place in Santa Ana that was like 
you can develop your flavor for free. <laughs> I was like, awesome, you know, like, but, but back then, you know, and they're reputable, they're huge. They do a lot of people. It was like, develop your brand for free. And I was like, okay. And so I went down there and, uh, I had my show chew and we were kind of talking about what we wanted to do. And the first flavor was yuzu lemon. Obviously, I think we were maybe the first domestic canned drink using yuzu lemon. And we didn't even think about it. But like now every brand coming out, like, and I see what's coming out, you know, down the road has a yuzu lemon skew, right? It's like super cool now. Yep. But when I went down there, the first time I got down there, the scientist gal comes out of the back in a lab coat and she's like, you're making chuhai? And I'm like, yeah, you know what chuhai is? She's like, yes, I asked to be assigned to this. I just got back from Tokyo and I was drinking Chuhai the whole time. Amazing. And uh, so she's our gal. She's still our gal this day. And yeah, we we went through the different iterations and came up with something we wanted. And then it was a matter of finding a co-packer, right? And when you're doing such small quantities, we did a pilot run first of like 600 or 700 cases at a wine place that had a spirits license like <laughs> and it, like a mobile canner canned it. it it was brutal we had like a lot of exploded cans and all this and then we kind of sold that run out we were like all right and then around that time i saw a, a pepsico bottler had just got a spirits can you know our laws are weird you know sure um and so they just had got a license and somehow we met their minimums and then we moved into this pepsico bottler in uh washington state they're super cool. The quality is insane. And we can carbonate to a higher level than, you know, most, most like sort of startups can and stuff. So yeah, pretty happy with them. So that effervescence is so important in a chuha. You need like lots of gas, lots of bubbles. Yeah. They get syrupy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was really important to me. And so I'm glad we found them. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and so when you started, you were actually, I remember you're, early packaging concepts were yatta, which is a different Japanese word than yabai. So how did that transition happen? Yeah, well, we got a cease and desist letter. (laughs) 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 You know, I liked yatta. I mean, I I love yabai, but at the time, yatta, it just sounds, you know, yatta, it it, it sounds good, right? And then right about when we're right, it was too late. We're already, we're, we're a go. We're coming out, right? And I was in a grocery store and I saw Yata seaweed. And I'm like, ah, this little seaweed company, whatever, right? Didn't think about it. Yep. Maybe like a year after we're out or nine months after we're out, cease and desist letter. And I, I look at their parent company. It was like the second largest conglomerate in Japan. And it was like, okay, well, I can't go to war with these guys. You know what I mean? So it was like, okay, what are we going to do? And then you buy, it was really starting to get, you know, very popular as a word. Right. I was like, it's a Y. You know, Yabai, I think, comes from Abunai, you know, and it, it, it's more like, ah, this is terrible. This is bad, you know. Um, it's kind of dangerous. Yeah, or... dangerous. Right. Um, but then it started evolving, you know, in the way that, like, the word sick or, or whatever in American is in English. Yep, yep. To where now it's like, I watch Japanese skate videos and someone will land a trick and they'll just be going, yabai, yabai. Yep. And it's like, oh my God, amazing. You know, so. It really does set context. You explaining how you, you're watching Japanese skate videos and they're shouting yabai. So it's, yeah. it's fitting in with your entire history, 
right? Yeah. It becomes even even more compelling that way. And I, I think it's a fun name. Yabai is definitely having its moment as a really popular slang. Like I hear it all the time. Yeah. It's, walking around Fukuoka and young people are talking about something, watching something on YouTube or whatever they're doing and something cool or exciting happens and they, they'll all shout, Yabai. It, it's pretty cool how it worked out. Like it was dicey, but it worked out. And we actually have the trademark. So, well, in America. Oh. So that's pretty. <laughs> yeah. So when that seaweed company decides to rebrand, you can you can send them a cease and desist. Yeah. We got on it. Yeah. I know that you're in the process of kind of major expansion as far as your portfolio, but also your distribution. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because I've seen images of new packaging online and that sort of thing. Well, in the way that we try to do things authentically and stuff like that, like the idea was sort of to build the brand within the Japanese channel first. So we didn't look like a culture vulture or, you know, I just hate stuff like that. So it's like, okay, let's build within the Japanese community. They know we are first. And so our original artwork was sort of chaotic and like, Japanese chuhai is just like bonkers. I think that's why people, a lot of people, Americans don't know what it even is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just like chaos all over the, whatever, you know? And like, if you, if you can't read Japanese, like it, it's not helpful, the cans, right? Sure, sure. So we kind of wanted to make it look similar. So Japanese Americans or Japanese people or people that have been to Japan would see it on shelf in Nijia or a Tokyo Central Japanese markets here. And be like, oh, is that Chuhai? You know, mm-hmm. you know, we wanted to build it through that channel. Around this time, we also brought in the general manager of sales of Asahi. So that was huge. And he's like, we got to look at the structure of this deal. Because he, he found me, you know, maybe even before I was even talking to you. Or maybe right after. Like, I've known him that long. You know, he finds me on Instagram. He's like, you're making Chuhai? And I'm like, yeah, dude, you know what it is? <laughs> and he's like, where do you live? I'm like, Santa Monica, where do you live? And he said, Santa Monica, let's meet up. No kidding. And so we met up. He's like, dude, I've been trying to get Asahi to do this for years. I can't believe you're doing this. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, man, but we're going to do it. Damn it. <laughs> and so we stayed in touch. We became friends. Um, and now he's one of our co-founders. And he, he's, you know, he came in and he just like blew doors. And so with that, we always had in mind a pivot to sort of a mainstream art style, you know, as much as we talk about like what the word yabai means and these sort of things, like at the end of the day, we want to be Kleenex. It doesn't matter if you know what yabai means or the context of it. And even in a broader sense, like you don't even need to know what shochu, this, that. Basically what's happening is we saw a uh, Jinro Soju end cap at Target. And we're like, what in the hell's good? In Torrance, you know, which is kind of a gimme, but sure. You know, we saw an end cap and we're like, wow, Target knows what, you know, soju is. That's insane. Like, maybe we should send them, uh, you know, some yabai. And, you know, so we kind of sent it to them. We weren't really thinking too much about it. And, like, the buyer in Minnesota where where uh, Target is was like, hey, we, we actually love this stuff, guys. Like, you know, maybe we could do something. Like, what are your UPC? Maybe you get in the system and stuff. And we're like, okay, well, there's no way we're getting in Target, you know. And then maybe a month later, he's like, guys, we've been kind of drinking this around the office. Like, this is delicious. Like, I think we're going to do a test run. No kidding. And I was like, oh, well, no, incredible. Yeah, we'd love to, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, okay, yeah, make sure you guys are in the server. And uh, here's your stores and blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, you didn't get in the server? Here's the link. And it showed like, you know, maybe five stores or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, five stores, you know, that, the, you know, small footprint, we'll be able to do this. 
And then we log into the server. It's 155 stores. It's every store from Bakersfield to the Mexican border and then some in Hawaii. Wow. So it was like, ah, like as exciting <laughs> as that sounds, it was like, dude, like it was, it was kind of horrifying and exciting. Sure. We sort of took that and went to some blue chip domestic distributors like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, that he was already connected with, you know, through Asahi and stuff. And so he really helped sort of foster all these deals. So now we have pretty much all of California covered with blue chip distributors. We've got uh, ABI in uh, Hawaii, the Coors affiliate in LA. And so we are launching with them next month. Wow. So (laughs) it's uh, kind of white knuckle right now trying to be ready for that and and have boots on the ground and and stuff like that. It's it's pretty psycho. Are you going to be able to, you going to be able to scale? (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) You know, I read this morning that in 2021, CPG venture funding was $2.4 billion. Mm -hmm. And last year it was 150 million. (laughs) Because I'm out trying to raise money, right? Like, sure, sure. You know, like you've seen what the long drink does, you know, and that's, that's finish, you know, no, no hate on a long drink is delicious, but it's like mm-hmm. more people have affinity for Japan in America. And it's like, at this point, it's like me with a laptop, you know what I'm saying? And like, luckily my sales guys and a couple other people working for us for like next to nothing, getting it to this stage. But then, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of sort of angel investors are like, they think everyone's going to quit drinking right now. I think mm. like they think NA rum is the hot thing you know and it's just like dude i don't see that but you're low proof generally so that's that's helpful right yeah we're low proof yeah and so but it's like we have all these things we want to do um and it's kind of the first step so you know we've already developed our nine percent strong right you gotta have a strong sure for the alcoholics i got it you know i didn't want to come out with that first because it it seemed like kind of (laughs) offensive right like here's the strong get hammered you know so it's like, okay, let's do a proper 5%, but we always want to do the strong. But the thing with the 9% is that we want to do it all natural. So we're importing yuzu juice from Kagoshima, which is my mom's village when, you know, when she was a kid. Sure. You know, it comes around that uh, actually at our flavor factory, the lab coat gal was like, hey, you guys are using yuzu juice in this one? You know, we we're developing the flavor with them. And she like sees that we're using yuzu juice. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you should talk to my friend. He um, has a company called Yuzuko. Have you heard of Have you heard of those guys? Oh yeah. And so he's buying farms in um, Kagoshima, and she's like, you should meet up with him. He's super cool. And we go down to Venice and hang out. And he's like the coolest dude on earth. And he helps me develop the the flavor and everything, you know. And we made a deal with him to use his yuzu juice. So we're gonna have like Yuzuko yuzu juice in our nine percent and it is insane like we already have the you know sort of pre-production sample and it's kind of finished Mm -hmm. and uh it's 15 grams of sugar but like it's nine percent you can taste less alcohol than our five percent and our five percent you can't taste alcohol this one is just bonkers and so we've done some sort of presentations with whole food and trader joe's because now we can get in there because our our five percent does have sucralose um Mm -hmm. which is considered artificial Okay, I got you. Ours compared to a typical Japanese chuhai is a lot cleaner, the ingredient panel, or 5%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Sure. And our 9% is completely clean. Right. But it's 9%. It's serious stuff. Uh, it's it's really good. So I think our, our mutual friend Rick is going to go nuts for that. We'll have to have a little drinking session next time I'm, I'm in LA. We'll do a little Yavai session. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got samples. I'll bring them by, man. They, they are, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and I think just that little bit, 15 grams of sugar around there, we want to live in, you know, it's still less than most drink. I mean, like twisted tea is like 70 grams of sugar. Like it's insane, you know? Right. Right. No, you need a little bit of sweetness. Is, I mean, that's sugar goes in cocktails. That's a part of it. Yeah. And a little bit of yuzu juice just adds so much tart. It's incredible um, what it does. So I bet. I bet. I think we're going to do that and Yabayan Punch as our launch flavors. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Yabayan Punch. Yabayan Punch. Do you think we'll get sued for that one? I don't think so. I feel like if we just do small quantities and then we get a cease and desist, we'll be like, okay, we'll get rid of it in two months. And... All right. So run me through your flavors. What do you have available now and what's coming? Uh, right now we have yuzu lemon, grape, and pineapple. And then this next run is just going to be grape and yuzu lemon. Okay. The pineapple, I feel like we got to retool a little bit. So we're going to introduce, hopefully, a variety pack with the pineapple retooled mm-hmm. and then a, a fourth flavor, which I'll leave as a surprise. Is that not the Yabayan punch? Well, that's for the 5%, right? Okay, gotcha. And so for the 9%, it's going to be the yuzu lemon first and then hopefully a Yabayan punch. You know, it's tough. when it, Like, raising money is tough, you know, and beverage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. production, like... Our minimum order quantities are way bigger than yours, I'm sure. You know what I mean? I have no doubt. So it's, you have to be like all in and it's like you have a couple hundred thousand dollars just sitting there, you know? And I don't have a couple hundred thousand <laughs> But <laughs> so we're working on that. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of stuff we want to do. Mm-hmm. We're also having our bottled shochu, our first sort of pure shochu product coming in next month. Okay. And so with that... Okay, and that'll be a Kodori Shochu branded as Yabai, is that right? Kodori Shochu, Yabai Shochu, yeah. yeah. 24%, so it can be sold kind of wherever. Right, right, right. Um, and right. with our network in LA, you know, it's Coors, right? So like any place that has Coors and tons of other stuff yep. is sort of a great place to sort of school. And the fact that we can sell a 24% in a place with just a beer and wine license, we can really... I think we could sort of build cocktail programs with certain restaurants mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and help them to to be like, hey, look, all you need to do is, you know, mix it with this, mix it with that. or And you have a cocktail program, right? Like, you don't have to sell kombucha, you know, like, or wine. Like, not everyone wants wine with sushi or beer with sushi, you know? Yeah, that's an entirely different uh, avenue of, of sales, though, to start to get into cocktail development and that sort of thing. I mean, there's like four of us, half of them working part-time. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but like with this sort of expansion, I'm hoping that we can start to build things out. I mean, it's really exciting like that we're the only ones doing this. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just feel like I know what we make is really good. And so I'm just super confident in that because it's like this process has been, you know, when I when we were starting this, I was like, ah, you know, I would take teams of six skateboarders for five weeks through Europe and manage them and you know what i mean like and we get to all the countries you know no one will lose their passports if i could do that <laughs> i could do you know what the how hard could it be to run an alcohol co- i had no idea like it's yep. been different skill set <laughs> oh my god like a lot of you know three hours of sleep a night and, and just tons of stress and 
you know, now it's just barely looking like, oh my God, okay. Like, geez, we might, we might pull this off, you know? Right. And, and a lot of that's just confidence in what we make and, and, and mm-hmm. knowing what we can do. Oh, I love, I love the authenticity of it that you've really created in America what, what is sold in Japan. And I think that's certainly to your credit. A lot of people are familiar with hard seltzers, but those are all made with malt liquor, yeah. which just has a different flavor. It's, I, I finally tried a, a White Claw. We probably yeah. shouldn't name brands like that on this show, but I tried one when I was back in the States a couple months ago. I couldn't finish it. It went down the drain. Dude, it's disgusting, man. I mean, yeah, not White Claw, but hard seltzer in general, I haven't. Sure. Unless you're like already hammered, like <laughs> then you can drink <laughs> one, like barely, but I don't know how people... The initial spark was like this whole birthday cake IPA 600 calorie beer is bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what if they made something lower cal? What if it was like a vodka tonic, but it was only like 5%? Like, that was said that day. M- malt liquor is the easiest way to market. Truly, truly was in our first deck and it was in bottles. And I was like, there's these things called hard seltzers, but like, it's just small liquor. Like kids aren't going to, you know, you, uh, anyone under 30 is a kid to me, right? So kids aren't going to want to drink that, right? Like, but I underestimated how badly people wanted to leave beer. Mm-hmm. I think you already have a whole generation that's never going to be like, oh, beer gross, and then grow to like it, right? Like I, I like Mexican beers, you know, once in a while, but I think you have a whole generation. You already have a whole generation that's just like never going to go through that, mm-hmm. right? And so... My hope is they haven't developed a callus for the taste of hard seltzer so much to where they don't even taste that <laughs> funky, weird, you know, because I cannot drink it at all. Oh, no, me either. Um, it's brutal. And so it's like I had a buddy who actually works on Lemon Mon, our, our, uh, our mascot. Uh, he's like a, a tailor. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, my friend, you know, he's, he's from uh, uh, Peru. <laughs> And I, I left him some. I was like, oh, thanks, man. He's like, dude, for you, don't worry about it, you know. I actually met him in Lima doing a skateboard demo. So yeah. it's like it's amazing the network you, you find, right? Sure, sure. And uh, I left him some. He's like, oh, my friend. My friend came by and he drank. He was drinking his third Yabai. He said, you can't even taste the alcohol, huh? And he's like, there's alcohol in these? I drank three of them. <laughs> I drove here, dude. What? <laughs> you didn't know and so now that is yabai yeah that is yabai in many ways and so <laughs> that's sort of my theory was that like i don't think people want um a- at scale mm-hmm. i'm not gonna sit and like go hiking and drink like a manhattan you know what i mean like i'm not gonna crack a old-fashioned and be like oh God, God, you know in hot weather right like i think japan figured this out a long time ago Mm-hmm. Like if you were to try to design an alcoholic soda pop, you would end up at Chuhai, I think. If you, I think that's true if you have a Japanese taste perspective, because in Japan, people consume a lot less sugar than in the States. Sure. But I think where you can balance that is you are adding some sugar, so you're giving some sweetness. Yeah. But you're also lower calorie. Right. Right. And, and just as a platform, right? As a beginner right. base, Kori Shochu, like... Right. Because there's, you know, there's vodka seltzer. I mean, like high noon, it's a vodka soda with a little bit of juice. Yep. And it's like dominating, you know? The vodka is. But it's 4.5%. And if they were to go 9%, you're going to taste that vodka. You know what I'm saying? Oh, sure. And like with ours, you still can't taste the alcohol. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think we sort of stumbled onto it, you know, kind of trying to do something authentic and like knowing what it is from Japan and just all these random things coming together. I think we kind of stumbled upon this thing. And so it's just a matter of getting people to try it and having a distribution. And so that's what we're going into now. So you guys can all watch, <laughs> see me hoe the road here and, uh, and see how it goes. But Yeah, well, Godspeed for sure. I think we get enough people to try it, sort of, it'll become a flywheel where people are just like, oh my God, this is, this is good, hopefully. Yep. And so then we get more money for marketing and stuff like that. Like we don't do much marketing. Well, I mean, look forward to, to, to continuing to watch your journey and, and I do wish you all the best because uh, you are paving the road, no question. Um, so... Where can people find you online? What's your website and uh, social? Our website is uh, drinkyabuy.com. We're retooling it now. We are adding an online store and we're making like a special box for the launch of that. So keep your eyes peeled there. But typically, Instagram, drinkyabuy, Twitter, drinkyabuy, uh, TikTok. I'm going to start doing the old, I'm the founder of Yabai on TikTok, man. You know, are you like, it's just, I don't know. Like I get, I, I talk to these groups. They're like, you can hire an influencer and they will sit. And I'm like, it just doesn't feel right. So I'm just going to just go on there and talk to people. So authenticity, I apologize in advance. I'm old and ugly, sure. but, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully, you know, people have good questions and stuff like that. And I can kind of like explain the difference between Honkaku and, and Koryu Shochu's or, you know, just all these different, there's so much to it, right? Like we just talked for what, 40 minutes and it's like super quick. So hopefully we can, we can educate people a little bit more and get them stoked. No doubt. And interested in the whole space. Um, Cause Japanese people are professional drinkers, you know, no offense, but sure. like professional at anything, right? Like they get into streetwear, Nike Jordans, mm-hmm. right? Like they're going to be the gnarliest collectors you've ever seen in your life, you know, or like, yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Uh, just the respect they have for culture is what I'm trying to reflect back to them. Sure. Um, the mutual respect. And so, right. Yeah. It's a lot to explain. So, yeah. Kudos to you for you being a, a leader and a, a pioneer really in, in doing this. So right to you for talking to me in the first place, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a great conversation. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to next time we can hang out in LA. Sounds like we got to go to a Dodgers game. Yes to to uh this this dive bar you told me about and then uh drink sim you buy with with our buddy rick so yeah man great uh great having you on the show i really appreciate it thanks steven well thank you all very much for listening to the japan distilled podcast you may have noticed that i've been posting some chew high reviews on our japan distilled instagram if jason gets me some samples i'll be sure to do some some you buy uh, reviews as well and more are coming soon uh you can find me at japan distilled on both Twitter and Instagram, please hit me up or Jason uh, with your thoughts. If you've not already done so, please consider rating and reviewing the Japan Distilled podcast. It really helps other people find the show. And finally, please consider signing up for our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Japan Distilled. Jason, kanpai. Kanpai. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Distilled Podcast. Our theme song is Begin Anywhere by the very talented Tomoko Miyata. Audio engineering by the incomparable Rich Pav, who also edits the fantastic Uncanny Japan podcast, 
with Teresa Matsuura. Please give that a listen as well if you're interested in Japanese fables and ghost stories. Time's up.